Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles and let's go to the book of Haggai this morning, the book of Haggai. Now, don't get scared about the mention of the book of Haggai, okay? Just go to the book of Matthew, start of the New Testament, and walk backwards, just three books, to the book of Haggai. And we're going to find our place this morning in Haggai chapter number one. And hopefully you have your Bible with you this morning. If you do not, there should be one perhaps in the back of the seat in front of you, maybe in the back of the seat behind you. You'll find a copy of God's Word, and I want you to pick up that copy and follow along with us this morning. Haggai chapter number one, and we're going to read verse one all the way down to verse number, verse number eight. Haggai chapter one, verse one to verse number eight. And if you found your place and if you're willing and able, stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Haggai chapter one. Look with me at verse 1 all the way down to verse number 8. Haggai 1, 1 to 8. And it begins like this. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month of the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shetel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts. This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? So now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and ye bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there are none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. So thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways and go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house and I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord of hosts. Our heavenly father, we pray that you would use your word in our lives this morning and in Jesus name we pray and all the church said together, Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Every day you exchange your life for something. It is as if at the start of each day you were issued a certain number of coins. And each day you take that day's coins and you exchange it for something. And maybe it's a day at work or at school, or shopping, or pleasure, or amusement, or, or church, or, or whatever. But, but once you spend the coins, you can, you can never get them back. You can, you can never decide to spend them any differently. The, the, the art of learning to live wisely is learning to spend your coins on the things that really matter. The things that matter for eternity. You can spend your coins in such a way that it is, it is like putting them in a bag that has holes in it. That's what Haggai is telling us. And there's a way to live your life where you spend your time on things that do not fill up your life, but in fact, leave you empty. Things like spending hours watching YouTube videos of cats, for example. Or, or spending hours watching people do other things while you do nothing, except watch them do something. 
or spending hours scrolling and trolling through social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or, or just deciding to live for yourself. Here, here's what's happening in the book of Haggai. God had returned his people to the land of Israel. They had been back in the land for almost 20 years. But they still hadn't built the temple. The temple was destroyed when Nebuchadnezzar, in 585 B.C., took the Babylonian army. They invaded Judah. They destroyed everything, including the temple. They took away captives. They took hostages all the way back to the land of Babylon. And now, through the sovereignty of God, a remnant of people have been able to return to the land. They've been able to go back and rebuild their homeland, go back, rebuild their lives. There are two people in particular, verse 1 tells us about, a man by the name of Zerubbabel, who's the governor, and a man by the name of Joshua, who is the high priest. So they started to work on the temple. They placed the foundation. They built an altar. And then they were met with some resistance. And guess what they did? They gave up. They quit. They walked away. And there the temple sat for 20 years unfinished. The temple, and you know this, was to be the center of life for those living during the Old Testament of times. The temple was the place where they worshipped God. The temple was the place where they learned about God. The temple was the place where they would teach their children about the things of God, the ways of God. The temple was supposed to be a place where people from, from other nations could come. They could learn about God's love for them. It was to be a place where they would organize themselves in order to take care of the poor or the needy that were among them. But it had been 20 years and they still hadn't built it. Instead of rebuilding the temple, they were remodeling their own houses. Instead of rebuilding the temple, they were remodeling their own homes. That's what's being said in verse number two. Look, look at it with me. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, now this people, okay, so look here. When God talks about his people in the Old Testament, he always uses personal pronouns. He, he says things like, my people, I'm their God. But notice what happens here. He says, this people. So, so here, he is doing what my wife does when my kids misbehave. When I, when I get home from work, my kids have been misbehaving, they've been acting poorly, they've been fighting with each other, disobedient to their mother. I come in the door and she says, your kids need you to go deal with them. I always have to go, wait a second, if I recall things correctly, they are not just my kids. And here's the Lord, this people... This people, what are they saying? Notice, they're saying the time is not come, which literally is, it's not a good time. A good time for what? Well, notice what he says in verse 2. It's not a good time. The time is not now. It's just not a good time for us to do what? To build the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord should be built. And yet the people are responding by saying, well... We know it's been 20 years. We know this is what we were supposed to have done. We know this is what we should do. And yet, it's just not a good time right now. Now, why is that? There's three things. Notice first, notice the excuses that they offered. So, so here are the excuses that they will make. 
The excuses really are twofold. First, they had enemies that were around them. And second, they had to get things established before them. So two things. They had enemies that were around them and they, they had other priorities that they wanted to get accomplished before they could prioritize what the Lord had asked them to do. You really get the sense of the enemies around them in the, the title that's given to God in this passage. He's called the Lord of hosts, verse number two. Look at verse number five. The Lord of hosts says, consider your ways. Look at verse number seven. The Lord of hosts saith to you, consider your ways. The Lord of hosts is a, a title that's used for God. It's used almost 14 times in this two chapter book. It's a, the word host is, it's an old word that is used to describe an army. So the Lord is saying, the God of the armies of heaven is asking you to consider your ways. The God of the armies of heaven is asking you to build the temple. They, they thought the time was not the right time because they had received opposition from earthly armies. And they were fearful of setting themselves to build the temple and then people around them, the opposition around them, invading them while they were doing this other task. Specifically, the Samaritans, which Ezra teaches us about. The Samaritans had set themselves against the Israelites when the Israelites had come back into the land. And so they had this opposition. In other words, they had this resistance. And we do the same thing. That whenever we meet opposition, whenever we meet resistance, we can find ourselves thinking that, well, it's not the right time because things are difficult. Well, it must not be the right time because things are hard. Or God must not want us to do this because there's some resistance that is, is being offered to us. But listen, friends, you need to understand this, that the closer we get to doing things that matter to the heart of God, the more likely we are to face opposition. The closer we get to doing things that are, that matter to the heart of God, that will count for eternity, the more likely we are to face opposition and resistance. Receiving opposition is not a sign that God is against you. A, a lot of times, receiving opposition, meeting some kind of resistance, is a sign that you are doing the very thing that God wants you to do. And if you find yourself being obedient to God, listen, you find yourself being obedient to God, of course it will be challenging. Of course there will be opposition. Of course there will be resistance along the way. Why? Well, because we have an adversary, the devil, who walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That the devil, our adversary, does not want us moving in directions of God and holiness and righteousness. But he wants us moving away from the Lord, not toward him. The moment you decide that you're going to wake up and read your Bible every day this year, you'll find yourself having overslept. Tempting you to just give in. The minute you decide, well, I'm going to prioritize the Lord's word in my life or the Lord's will for my attitude or actions or I'm going to prioritize the Lord's way for the way in which I'll treat my family or my kids, you will find opposition along the way. And when it gets challenging, and of course it will, I want to, I want to encourage you with this one simple thought, write this down, that with God's help, with God's help, we, in 2023, can choose the hard right thing over the easy wrong thing. Choose the hard right thing over the easy wrong thing. 
It was easy for the Israelites to choose to not prioritize what God had set for their priorities. It was easy to do the wrong thing. It was hard and difficult to do the right thing. And what our strategy, what our mindset, what our purpose is, what our pursuit ought to be is to do the hard right thing, not the easy wrong thing. It's not just that they had enemies. There's a, there's a second excuse that they made. And the second excuse they made was that they, they had their lives to establish. That's really what they're saying in verse number four. Is it time? Here's what the Lord says. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses? You're literally the word sealed there, paneled houses. Is it, is it time for you to live in your paneled fancy house? And then this house, the Lord's house, lies in waste. So they say to God is, well, we cannot build your house because we have enemies around us. And the Lord responds by saying, well, that's weird. Because I'm looking at the house you're living in and it's pretty nice. And it's finished. And it's got matching towels and wonderful furniture. And it's nice and paneled. But my house lays in waste. God here, and I want to make the point very clear, God is not begrudging the fact that they have nice stuff. In fact, God wants them to have nice stuff. God wants them to have paneling on their houses. God wants to bless them. That's what he's telling them. I want you to find a greater blessing. God is willing to bless them more than they are even willing to realize. God is not against us having nice things, but God is against us putting those things ahead of him. God is not against us having nice things, but God is against us putting those things in the pursuit of those things ahead of him. And here they were 20 years in the land, and here they were 20 years having disobeyed the Lord. Having not prioritized God. And you wonder, how do you go 20 years and get this far from having obeyed the Lord. And here's how. A one simple brick at a time. You see, every decision that we make is a brick in the life that we are choosing to build. They made one simple decision to lay the bricks on their own house and therefore... They neglected laying the bricks on the house of the Lord. How do you go 20 years away from what the Lord has asked you to do? One decision at a time. One brick at a time. This group of people are putting their their own comforts, their own priorities, their own agenda ahead of God's priorities, ahead of God's agenda. We do do the same with our money, with our free time, with our entertainments, with our thought life. How, How much of 2022 was spent accomplishing what you wanted to accomplish? How much of 2022 was spent saying to the Lord, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me this year? What do you want from the resources you've entrusted to me? What do you want from the time you've given to me? What is your agenda for my life? I see there there is a better, more eternal way to spend our lives, to spend the resources of our lives than on temporary, fleeting, passing pursuits. And by the way, this is the default mode of all of us before we're too harsh on the Israelites. This, we're all hardwired this way. If we do not give thought to how we will live, 
then all of us will naturally live for our own agendas, not for God's. We will all naturally live for our own priorities, not for God's. We'll live for our own way, our own thoughts, our own ideas, not for God's ways, not for God's word, not for God's priority for our life. We live for ourselves. And many people find themselves believing the lie that if you want to find happiness in this life, then you better do what you want, when you want, how you want, with whoever you want. And if you do those things, then you can finally be happy. No, friend, there's no happiness found there. That's like putting money into a purse that has a hole in the bottom of it. It will not fill you up. It will not be satisfying. You will find no fulfillment, no satisfaction in living that way. You will find fulfillment and satisfaction in living your life, not for your own glory, not for your own ways, but for God's way, for God's glory, a God's priority. God's agenda for your life. And so it is that you and I have to decide, are we going to live for our own priorities, our own agenda, our own way, or will we live for his? We're no no different than the people in Haggai chapter 1. Every decision that you made last year was a brick that you built a house either for yourself or for God. The excuses they offered, and by the way, there's lots of them. These are, these are the two that jump out of the text, but you and I offer all kinds of other excuse, excuses along the way of life. How many excuses did we make last year for why we did not pursue God? For why we did not obey the word of God? For why we did not prioritize God, his word, his spirit, his voice, his people in our lives. Excuses abound. Opposition is expected. But you and I are making decisions. We're laying bricks. And we are choosing what we will build. Every decision we make is a brick in the life that we are choosing to build. Write it down. Every decision you make in 2023 is a brick in the life that you're choosing to build. How did they go 20, almost 20 years neglecting God, neglecting God's house, neglecting God's priorities back in the land where they had been away from for almost 50 years before these 20 How did they get 70 years removed from what they once had? Listen, one brick, one decision at a time. One brick, one decision at a time. The excuses they offered. So here they are in this strange new land. They they had to get their houses established. Plus there's, there's lots of enemies around them. And people, as they often do in times of uncertainty, instead of looking outward, they pull inward. Instead of looking to be obedient to the Lord, they decide and they choose for themselves in the way in which they will live. So notice second here, the explanation that they observed. This is really verse 5, verse 6. We didn't read verse 9, 10, and 11, but we will in just a moment. So when you put yourself first and God second, listen, two things happen. First, you'll find yourself very empty. And second, you'll find your efforts being stopped. You will find yourself empty. And you'll find your efforts being stopped. Notice verse 6. Notice how they find themselves empty. You've sown much, you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there are none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Have you ever made a really poor investment? You ever made a really poor investment? Let me see. How many have ever bought a used car? Poor investment right there. High miles, Lots of gas, lots of problems, transmissions about to go out, poor investments, right? 
You've bought something and yeah, this, was, this was going to be the happiest you could ever possibly be because you got it. And then what happens? The next day, the tires fall off the car, right? The engine blows up. And now, this thing that you just had to have, you spend all your money on it, what happened? It's like a bag with holes. You just keep pouring money in it, pouring money in it, and they just keep falling out of the bottom. Empty. He says, you've planted much, but you've harvested little. You've put all the farming work in, but the harvest is terrible. You, you put all the hours in, but the grades aren't coming in. You've invested all the money. Well, where's the return? I think this has to be one of the worst positions to be in. You obtained what you always wanted to obtain, but you still feel empty. You get what you always wanted to have. You still feel empty. This is many people in our world today are feeling that way at this time of the year. Christmas has come and gone. The presents were exchanged. The gifts were given. Gifts were received. You open it up. Oh, the excitement of Christmas morning of getting that it gift. And finally you got it. You opened it. And then what? Oh, the Christmas letdown. You got what you always wanted. But you still feel empty. And many people at the beginning of the year struggle with all kinds of feelings of depression and loneliness, anxiety, stress, emptiness, isolation for this very reason. Why? Because they've put themselves first. If you put yourself first and you put God second, you will always find yourself empty. If you put God first and you put yourself second, you will find yourself full because God is first. Many people do this when it comes to relationships. We do this in a variety of ways. It comes to relationships. They think, well, if I, just, if I just marry him, if I just marry her, then I won't have any feelings of loneliness anymore. So they jump in and out of relationship looking for a way to ease the loneliness that they're feeling. They bounce from one relationship to another, one partner to another, but they still feel alone. They still feel empty. Why? Because you put yourself first. You haven't put God first. You put yourself first. You put your own idea first. You thought you knew better than God on how your life should go, on how you should handle your body, on what you should do with your feelings, on who you should give your heart to, and all these kind of things. You prioritize yourself instead of prioritizing God. And you know what you're left with? You're left alone, empty. Jumping relationship to relationship to relationship, wrecking more havoc and more havoc, not just on yourself, but on all of those around you. You get married, you still feel alone. You get out of that relationship, get into another, you still feel alone. You get out of that relationship into another, you still feel alone. Why? You're prioritizing yourself. You're not prioritizing the Lord. Just, we do it in other things. We do it with things we buy. You think if you just had that house, you just had that extra room, you just had that home. You buy that home, you still don't feel connected to your family. You still don't feel close to one another. You still feel separated and isolated. You got a home, all kinds of rooms, but now they're just empty. You climb the corporate ladder, you get to the top, you don't feel significant, you don't feel fulfilled. I've heard it said money will buy a bed, but it will not buy rest. Money will buy an education, but it will not buy wisdom. Money can get you companions, but it will not give you friends. Money can buy you a house, but it cannot turn that house into a home. It can provide you with amusement, but not joy. It can offer you religion, but not salvation. Friend, what good is all the money in the world? What good is all the success in the world? What good is having paneled houses if it doesn't produce joy and security and satisfaction in your heart? Because that is where you really crave fulfillment in your heart. God says that you and I will never find that kind of fulfillment so long as we look for it in ourselves. No matter how much you have, if you have not put God first, what does it profit a man? Mark chapter 8, verse 36. Remember our Mark study? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but he loses his own soul. 
What gain? What profit? What good comes from that? The children of Israel had believed the lie of the culture and the world around them. And I am fearful that many Christians in 2023 are doing the same thing. Believing the lie of the culture around us that the more we get, the more we have, the higher we climb in the ladder, the more we have in our bank accounts, the more toys that we have to play with, then we'll finally be happy. No, we will not be happy. Not if we look for happiness apart from God. Seek first, Matthew chapter 6, verse 23, verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. They were empty, but not just that, their efforts were stopped. This is verse 9, verse 10, verse 11. Look at this. Here's what the Lord says. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste and ye run every man unto his own house. So therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands." And God says, I did all of that. I blew on it. I scattered it. God calls us to give him our first and our best. And when instead we give God our second and the rest, God sets himself against us. Because they had put themselves first, God frustrated their efforts. So God says to them, your excuse for not giving to me is that you're living in a recession, a drought, hard times. And what I'm telling you is the reason you are in a recession, the reason you are in a hard time, the reason it's difficult is because you haven't given to me. Do you see? They're saying, we aren't giving to your house because we're having a hard time. And God says, no, no, no. You're having a hard time because you haven't given to me. You got it backwards. No, no, no. The reason you're being met with so much frustration and difficulty and complexity is because you haven't done the simple thing of obeying the Lord. You haven't done the simple thing of obeying the Lord. And so it is in our own lives. When we fail to be obedient to the Lord, when we fail to prioritize him, when we offer to God our second, God sets himself against us. I challenge you at the beginning of this year, Give God what is first and give God what is best. Give God what is first and give God what is best. You ought to give God the first five minutes of your day. We've said this before. You ought to give God the first five minutes of your day. It's a good resolution. That's a good commitment to make for this upcoming year. The first five minutes of my day, they don't belong to the gym. They don't belong to social media. They don't belong to my friends. They don't belong to the office. They don't belong to my boss. They belong to the Lord. God, you have the first five minutes of my day. Now, there's some of us in the room, maybe you could do more than five minutes. But for many of us, this is a good place to start. Give God the first five minutes of your day before you do anything else. Give God the first five minutes of your day. Time in his word, time in prayer to him. Time thinking, meditating, memorizing. Give God the first five minutes of your day. Here's another commitment that's a good one to make. Give God the first 10% of your pay. The first five minutes of your day, the first 10% of your pay. 
before you give to anything else, before you pay anything else, decide, I'm going to prioritize the Lord in my giving. I'm going to prioritize the Lord with the resources he's entrusted to me. It's all his anyway. It's all a gift from him anyway. So I'm going to prioritize the Lord. I'm going to honor the Lord with my substance, with the first fruits of mine increase. When we give to God out of the resources that God has entrusted to us, what we are saying to the Lord and what we are saying to others is we recognize that the only way we ever got anything to begin with was because God gave us strength, was because God gave us opportunity, was because God gave us a job, was because God gave us abilities, God gave us a mind, God gave us all of these things and we're honoring the Lord with it. We don't give to God because God's in need of our money. The Bible teaches us that God owns a cattle on the thousand hills and he owns the hills that the cattle graze on. God doesn't need our money. If God needs money, then he's not God. It is not that God needs our money. It's that we need to honor God with the money that God has given to us because we are so prone to spend our money in purses that have holes in the bottom. And there's a way to use what God has given to you to store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. And there's a way to spend the resources that God has given to you and lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. No one has invaded the riches of heaven and carried them away in the middle of the night. Why? Because they're safe in they're safe in eternity with God. Oh, but you and I, we lock our doors and we lock our houses and we set our ring security systems to make sure nobody gets my stuff. Now there is a way to spend 2023 where it's like having a purse with a hole in the bottom of it. Give to God first, give to God best. Give to God the first five minutes of your day. Give to God the first 10% of your pay. Listen, give to God the first day of your week. Give to God the first day of the week, which is what day? What day? How many of old enough remember when Sunday was called the Lord's Day. How many of you are old enough to remember when we used to, call, used to be called that? The Lord's Day. Now, if I go an hour and 15 minutes, everyone's going, what are we doing here? I gave to God the first hour and 15 minutes. I didn't, I'm, thinking, I'm not counting on all day. No, it's the Lord's what? Day. It's his day. It's not his hour. It's his day. It's not his hour and 15 minutes, it's his day. Sunday is God's day. That's how it ought to be for us as Christians. This is a day where we stop and worship him. This is a day where we stop and we praise him before others. This is a day where we prioritize his word and the teaching and the preaching of it for our lives. This is a way where we, this is a day where we prioritize his people. In spending time in fellowship and prayer and care and meeting needs for them. That's one of the reasons why we have our fellowship time here at First Baptist Church. We want to make sure that if you're new here, we shake your hand. We tell you you're glad you're here, that we welcome you to church. Why? Because God welcomes us. It was, it was good. It was, a, it was a good thing when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because God's pleased when his children dwell together in unity and joy, reminding themselves, encouraging themselves in his word. It's his day. We spend the day. Not for ourselves. We spend the day for him. We spend the day for him. So that's worship, that's praise, that's care, that's fellowship, that's singing together. But it's also when we go from this place that we're spending the day thinking of one another. Oh, I didn't see that brother. I didn't see that sister. I want to encourage them. 
Oh, I, I missed them the last few weeks. I'm going to call them and see where they've been. I'm spending the day for the Lord. Why? Well, because Monday to Friday, I have to spend the day for the company. I got, I got to spend the day at the office. I got to spend the day working for my boss. So today I'm going to spend the day for the Lord. Imagine you say, hey, I'm going to spend the day tomorrow in the office and you spend about an hour and 15 minutes there. Is your boss going to be happy with that? Is he going to call you and go, where are you at? You go, hey, I spent the day in the office. Really? I think you were here for like an hour. I know that was a whole day. That was your day, boss. And I appreciate all the pay you're giving me from it. No, he's not going to be happy with that. And yet that's what we offer to the Lord. That's what we offer to him. Listen, give God what's first. Give God what's best. Give God what's first. Give God what's best. Say it with me. Let's give God what's and give God what's. The last one here. Last one. Notice the evaluation of their opportunities. This is verse 7. Verse 8. Thus saith the Lord, consider your ways. This is the second time he has said that to them. He said it also in verse 5. Consider your ways. It literally means stop and evaluate what you're doing. Stop and evaluate. Consider. Think about what you're doing. How much do we do? We don't even think about what we're doing. We're just doing it. It's just second nature. A muscle memory is kicking in. We don't even think about it. That's, that's, that's the, a great thing at the beginning of the year, to stop and evaluate. What new habits do I want to form in the upcoming year? What bad habits do I want to kick in the upcoming year? We find ourselves just grabbing our phone, jumping right online, scrolling over to our social media pages, clicking in without even realizing it. We don't even realize we're doing it. It's just a habit. We open the phone, we scroll right to it. This is the Lord is saying, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Evaluate. How, how many habits of 2022 do you need to change for 2023? How many habits in 2023 do you need to start new and fresh? How many old habits do you need to kick? How many new habits do you need to start? Consider your ways. One of the great problems in our culture today, we don't seem to be able to consider our ways. We're not able to slow down to think about what we're doing. Slow down. Before you just go on autopilot, think about that. Consider your ways. Notice they have all kinds of excuses. They've seen the problems, the evidence of the problems around them, and now the Lord is asking them to evaluate. Friend, evaluate the opportunities God has given to you today. There's nothing you can do to change the past. But with the help of the Lord, you can make a change today. You can begin right where you are with God's help and God's healing and God's strength and God's forgiveness. You can begin, look here, right where you are. Right where you are. And God is so loving to them. He doesn't go, you know, I've waited 20 long years for this and you haven't prioritized me. You've only prioritized yourself. Get out. That's not what he does. Aren't you glad the Lord doesn't just give us the boot? And that's not what he does. The Lord is so loving. The Lord is so patient. The Lord is so kind. Here's what he says. I want you to think about, consider your ways. Slow down. Think about the way in which this will and is affecting you. And then verse eight. Go up to the mountain Bring wood, build the house. Isn't that great? Gives them three simple steps. They, they have all kinds of issues. We can't build the house. We, we're busy. We're enemies. We got our own stuff to look after. The Lord goes, I, I, I want you to think about your ways. I want you to consider. Consider the consequences. 
that this decision that you're making, this brick you're laying, consider the consequences it's having. Consider the consequences of these habits, of these choices. Consider the consequences. Now do this. Go up to the mountain, chop down the wood, and bring it down the hill and build the house. Really simple. Three things. Go up to the mountain, bring down the wood, build the house. Yeah, but what happens if the enemy... No, no. Go up to the mountain, chop down the wood, build the house. Yeah, but the Samaritans are... Go up to the mountain, chop down the wood, bring that, build the house. Yeah, but I got my own panel of houses. Yeah. Go up to the mountain, chop down the wood, build the house. Very simple. Very easy. Number one, go up to the mountain. Number two, chop down the wood. Number three, build the house. Can you imagine the children of Israel sitting there going, oh my goodness, we are right. We haven't obeyed you for 20 years. I mean, this is overwhelming. Where are we going to start? Write this down, get a notepad out. Here's how you start to build the house. You go up to the mountain. Okay. You chop down the wood. Okay. You build my house. Wow. Who would have thought? That's what you have to do to build a house. You know, we do this in our own lives. We make excuses after excuses. We want all kinds of questions answered. Yeah, but those are the first three steps. What about step four? What about step five? What about step six? What about step eight? What about step... 27. No, 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 no. Just, just start right here. Go up to the mountain, chop down the wood, build the house. Yeah, but what if my wife gets mad at me? Go up to the mountain, chop down the wood, build the house. Yeah, but what if my... Go up to the mountain, chop down the wood, build the house. But what if my knees give out and I can't lose the wood? Go up to the mountain, chop down the wood. What if I'm hungry? I can't diet. Go up to the mountain, chop down the wood, build... You see what happens? You see, you see how simple this is? It's just very... It's so much more simple than we make it. This is a simple picture of obedience to God. Two things. It's a picture of obedience. It's a picture of persistence. Just obey God. Be consistent in obeying God. Eugene Peterson says it. It's long obedience in the same direction. Many times we want the answers to step four, step five, step six, step seven. But we have not done step one, two, and three. Amanda loves to buy these uh, furniture sets from Ikea. How many of you ladies love to shop at Ikea? Maybe men too, right? I'm not sure. She loves to buy these little furniture sets from Ikea. We were not married very long and she had bought this little furniture set. And I'm going to be this loving, brave, heroic husband and I was going to build it for her. So we unpackage it. We start putting it together. She offers me the instructions. And like any good husband, like any decent man, I took those instructions, I crinkled them up and I threw them over my shoulder. And I said to her, real men don't use instructions. Mistake number one. I start building this thing. It's pretty simple. It's easy to do. I get it all built together. Very simple. Easy, 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 very simple to figure out. Start putting it all together. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Amanda comes in. She offers me a cup of coffee. I take a sip. I say, hey, look at this. I'm almost done. Are you impressed? She goes, that's really impressive. I'm surprised you got it done. I'm surprised by what? I am, I am a man of great intelligence. I am, I am a man's man, okay? Four generations of Delaney. Okay, no, I didn't. It was just, she said, just finish, the, finish it. Start building it. I got all the way to the end and there was supposed to be a pole that went on this leg and then a pole that went on this leg. So the, so the, 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 the chair sits evenly. Whenever I got done, this pole was shorter than this pole. So the chair sat cockeyed. So I looked at the two poles. I said, look at this, babe. They gave me the wrong poles. They don't match up. One is this tall. One is that tall. She goes, huh, that's interesting. I don't think, maybe you put something together wrong. No, <laughs> they packaged it wrong. It's a short one and a tall one. I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut this short pole. And I'm going to make them the same size. 
She says, maybe we should. She starts getting the instructions out. I said, no, we don't need the instructions. If I just cut the pole, it's the same size. The chair will not rock. It'll be perfect. So I take the two poles and I cut them to the same size. And now I go back to my chair. Amanda's reading through the instructions and I try to assemble it. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? I know it's the first of the month, but I, I, it's January 1st. I get it. But guess what? It didn't fit. Surprised? I tried to put it together. It doesn't fit. But now we have a problem. Because I've cut it. You can't take that back. (laughs) You can't show up to the customer service desk and go, hey, uh, I don't know what happened, but this thing got cut right here. And it came that way in the box. (laughs) Never mind this sawdust on my hands. It's what we do. It's what we do in our relationship with God. It's what we do with the habits we're forming in our lives. It's what we do with the agenda and the priorities we have in our lives. We think. I need that. I don't need, it's easy. I got this. This is simple. Here's what the Lord tells him. Watch. Three things. They're really hard to wrap your mind around. But if, you, but if you'll just think very simply, this is how you get it done. How do we build your house, Lord? Okay, you do it just like this. You go up to the mountain. You chop down the wood. You build my house. How do I fix some things in my marriage? How do, I, how do I fix some problems I'm having in my marriage? It's really simple. Humble yourself. Ask for forgiveness. Start a conversation. Love her the way he loves you. Love him the way he loves you. Yeah, but we've got a lot of problems that we got over. No. Start step one, step two, step three. Start right here. How do, I, how do I get out of debt? How do I beat these financial problems I have? It's very simple. Stop spending more than you're making. Stop living on a credit card. It's very simple. Yeah, but how do I fund and how do I get and how do... Very simple. Start right here. Step one, step two, step three. Yeah, but what do I do with my kids? What do I do? Do you see how we want to complicate everything because we love to think that we know better than the Lord. But we do not know better than God. Every decision you make is a brick that you're laying in your life to build a house? What are the decisions that you and I are making? Now is the time. That's that's what Haggai's message is. The time is right now to prioritize the Lord.